welcome to Intentional Inclusion with the Diversity Doctor, your weekly dose of diversity and inclusion content with me, your host, Dr. Donna Dehan. I want to help as many organizations as possible create people-centered businesses because I know that when your people thrive, so too does your bottom line. I'm here to help you move from professing an interest in DNI to implementing practices that will change the way you do business for the better. So, if you're looking to truly make an impact with your DNI efforts, you're in the right place, my friend. Every week, I will give you the perfect mix of theory and practice to help you create a business where everyone and your bottom line can thrive. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to episode four of Intentional Inclusion with the Diversity Doctor. I hope you're doing well. Thank you for choosing to spend time being intentionally inclusive today. This episode is all about intention and impact. I'm going to share with you some actionable steps you can take right now that will positively impact how included your colleagues feel. Practical steps that will give you the gift of time whilst increasing productivity. Now, I know that sounds too good to be true, but it's not. I promise. I'm sharing with you the tried and tested steps that I've used with my one-to-one clients to help them create instant impact. So, hold tight. This one will knock your socks off. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Let's start with your average Monday morning. You open your overflowing inbox and you find two new meeting invites. One of them was sent late on Friday night and it's for a meeting today. Yep. Well, technically, you can squeeze it in if the workshop this morning finishes on time and if you eat your sandwich during the meeting, which seems to be the accepted behaviour because, I mean, who can remember the last time anybody took a real lunch break, right? So, you accept the invitation then you remember you still need to read the report and make notes before your meeting at two o'clock. Okay, it's fine. You'll skim over this during the new meeting and you remind yourself that you shouldn't be hard on yourself because nobody actually comes prepared to these meetings anyway and it's always the same people who talk over everyone else so no one will even ask you to contribute. Now, if this story feels familiar, then you are not alone, my friend. You are feeling overwhelmed by the sheer number of meetings we are expected to attend. If you're busy doing other things during the meetings and quite frankly, feel like everybody's wasting our time and energy during meetings, well, yeah, like I said, you're not alone. And let's not do this anymore. Let's stop the meeting madness. We seem to rush from one meeting to another, barely knowing what meeting we're in at any given time, barely having time to do the the stuff that comes out of the meeting in the first place. We've gone into meeting madness mode and we need to stop that. Now, let me just put this into context for you. Let me share some meeting madness facts that blew my mind. Research shows that post-pandemic, we're spending a ridiculous amount of time in meetings, at least two to five hours every day. And for middle management, meetings are estimated to take up to 35% of their time, and this only increases with seniority. So senior managers are spending more than 50% of their time in meetings. Now, although 92% of people value meetings as an opportunity to collaborate and discuss and contribute to the organisation, 
73% of people in a meeting are working on something else. So over half the people in the room at any given time are busy doing something else. So it's not surprising that 67% of all meetings fail to achieve the desired outcome of the meeting. 53% of employees experience microaggressions and discrimination during meetings and 65% don't know how to deal with disruptive behaviour in meetings. I mean, whoa, what on earth are we doing? Why are we spending so much of our working day tied up in unproductive meetings that leave us feeling overwhelmed and at best uninspired and at worst actually feeling unsafe? But here's the good news. This is absolutely something we can change. We don't need approval from the board or a big budget. We don't even need a specific job title or a task force. We can simply change the way we do meetings. We can stop the meeting madness and we can start creating efficient, effective and inclusive meetings today. Sounds good, right? Now, over the past 20 years, I've worked with a lot of different organisations to help them create diverse and inclusive cultures. And one of the first places I start is by helping them create effective and efficient and inclusive meetings, because that will be a space where everyone feels safe, seen and valued. Now, over the course of my career, I've developed a 10 step, uh, 10 distinct steps to help organisations move from meeting madness to inclusive meetings. 10 distinct actionable steps to take to move from uninspiring, unproductive meetings to wow, everyone came prepared, everyone contributed, we whizzed through the agenda and there's time left for lunch kind of meeting. <laughs> so in today's episode, I will walk you through the first five steps and then next week we'll wrap it up with the final five steps. What we will cover today, you can absolutely start implementing today. So you will be able to start benefiting from a new way of doing meetings even before you get to the 10th step next week. And you know I like to make things intentionally inclusive, as simple and actionable as possible. So I've put everything you need to create these efficient, effective and inclusive meetings in one spot, in one easy to use toolkit, toolkit, toolkit. Let me say that again. I've put everything you need into an easy to use toolkit. I'll explain more about that later. But just know that if you're walking or running or driving or cooking or basically doing anything else right now whilst listening to this episode, I want to share a link in the show notes to the one place where you can access everything. So I've got you. All you need to do now is just listen to the first five steps. Let's start. First things first, step one. Who do you invite to the meeting? I know you want to be inclusive, but that doesn't mean you invite everyone to the meeting. We're all way too busy to simply fill up a seat at the table for the sake of it. So, before you send out the meeting invite, I need you to ask yourself these questions. Does the person you're about to invite to the meeting simply need to receive the information or are you looking for them to co-create content and make decisions? So, do they just need to receive information or do you need them to contribute? Because there's a difference. If the answer is A, if you just need them to receive information, they don't need to attend the meeting. You can either send them the information in an email or you can send them the meeting minutes, but they don't need to spend their time in the meeting. If you answered B, so if you said that you want this person to contribute, to co-create, to help make a decision, then you need that person's input. Then having them in the meeting is important, but inviting them to the meeting and then them sitting there and not actually contributing, that's not going to get the outcome that you need. So 
You need to be mindful of who you invite. And once you invite somebody, you need to engage with them to contribute during the time that they're spending with you. Now, research shows that if you want to make a decision during a meeting, the optimal number of people to include is only between four and seven people. So you don't want to invite more than seven people if you need to make a decision because it just gets too difficult to make a consensus decision. So you're only looking to invite four to seven people if you want to make a decision um, and have uh, sort of that's the output that you want from that particular meeting. So asking someone to join a meeting is only the first step, but it's an important step. So take the time to be intentional about who you invite and why. We don't need to all be in every meeting all of the time. That's one step to free up some time and to be mindful about who we're including and then to help that person be included in the meeting. Step two, include an an agenda with the meeting invite. So step two, include an agenda with the meeting invite. Now, a detailed agenda, so a well-thought-through, well-planned, detailed agenda can reduce the amount of meeting time by up to 80%. So remember at the start I said we're spending way too much time in meetings. Well, part of the problem is because we're not going prepared enough. So creating a meeting agenda helps with that, helps people prepare, and it helps us stay on track once we start the meeting. If you don't want to only hear the same few voices speaking in every meeting, and I know you don't because that's a surefire way to exclude people, and remember, the people that we invite, we want to include, the introverts amongst us may need a little more time to prepare. So it may not be that um, if I'm in your meeting and I'm an introvert, it might not be that I'm intentionally not paying attention and I don't want to speak up. It's just the way that I work. Sending a meeting agenda to me beforehand helps me mentally prepare, helps me sort of think about how I could contribute during the meeting. So that's another great way to help people feel included. Another great tip is to personalise the meeting invite. Now, I know you haven't got time, but remember, you only need four to seven people in a meeting if it's a meeting to make decisions. So you could say, here's an example of something that you could say when you send out the meeting invite. Dear James, I'd like to invite you to the curriculum review meeting next Tuesday. I'm really interested to hear how you experience the transition to online teaching this semester. I've heard great things about your course. And as you can see from the fourth agenda item, we're focusing on curricular innovation. And I'm sure the rest of the team would learn a lot from your experience. Now, you've just let this member of your team know you see them and you appreciate them. And that's before the meeting even starts. So talk about intentionally inclusive. We're inviting James because he's got something to add to the meeting. And we're letting him know in advance, we value his contribution. We're going to value his time. If you want participants to come prepared, you need to clearly explain how, when you, in the meeting invite, how you want them to be prepared. What is it that you want them to do? And please make sure you give people enough time to actually prepare. So when I worked in academia, um, I felt like every third email was another meeting invite. And I would find myself clicking, yes, sure, I can squeeze that in between teaching this class and learning this semester. But I wouldn't have time to prepare. It would literally, I would see sort of an hour slot in my agenda and think, sure, I can fit that hour in. But that wouldn't mean that I had another two hours to read a report that I needed to prepare to do that one hour. So be very mindful about the amount of time that you're asking people um, to prepare. 
So I, in my the way that my work was set up in, in academia, I may be able to squeeze a one-hour meeting in, but I would need at least a week if you wanted me to squeeze in any prep time, just to find another hour or two hours within my day to read the report that you wanted me to comment on. If I've done this, if I've read the report, and then I turn up at the meeting, and we don't even get to that agenda item, I... I'm going to be feeling the feels, and they're not good feels. I am going to be pissed off, for want of a better word, that I did squeeze in that extra time, that I did come prepared, and then we didn't even get to that point on the agenda. Don't do that. Have a clear, organised agenda. Give people time to prepare, and make sure that you value that, so you, you do get to that agenda, and you ask people to contribute on the things you've asked them to. Because time is our most precious non-renewable resource, so we need to treat it like such. Give people time to prepare and use their time wisely. If uh, sort of working with agendas is not something that you're used to, don't worry. I have several uh, agenda templates that you can start using today, and they're all in this, this toolkit that I'm talking about. So again, there'll be there's a link in the show notes where you can access all of the resources that you need. So step one, think about who you invite. Step two, create a clear um, organised agenda. Step three, think about when, where and how long the meeting is going to last. Now, gone are the days when all we used to do was worry about finding an empty room to hold the meeting in. Now, many of us are conducting meetings online or through a hybrid combination of in real life and online. Now, there are many ways we can be inclusive with logistics of meetings. But you need to be start, start to be mindful about, well, when do you schedule the meeting? So meetings, this is going to sound really logical, <laughs> bear with me. Meetings should occur within the standard operating hours of your company. So if your office hours are 8.30 to 5.30, don't schedule a one-hour meeting to start at 5. Of course, exceptions may occur if you're inviting participants from different time zones, but what I'm noticing is that these these aren't becoming exceptions. This is becoming a norm. I've noticed a habit of form a habit forming in many organisations of squeezing in meetings, and before you know it, the only time the four of us can meet is at six thirty a week on Tuesday. But oh, it's okay because Remy is bringing bagels. Uh, thanks, Remy. But no, I don't want to be. I don't want to feel like I'm. I'm having to add in, squeeze in meetings at 6.30 in the morning. We have a life outside of work, people, so no, no 6.30 meetings, no squeezing in meetings. Right, so we need to be respectful of people's boundaries and work commitments. So ideally, don't schedule meetings over lunchtime. We need to physically and mentally take breaks. This meeting madness culture has has become such that we are squeezing in meetings left, right and centre. If a meeting is an important part of our workday, we have to figure out something is going wrong here. Too many meetings, not enough time, squeezing them in is not the way forward. So please don't schedule meetings over lunchtime. And if you're going to do that, give people lunch. And also be mindful of things like prayer times when scheduling meetings. And be aware that when participants work, don't make the assumption that everybody is working above and beyond this squeezing in extra hours every single day, Monday to Friday. No, we're, we're, we're just, we're feeding into a toxic culture. Have boundaries. It's not okay. It's not respectful. 
So A, don't make assumptions that everybody works full-time and is available every day, and certainly don't plan things outside of regular working hours. People want to feel included, so they need to be feel like you see them and you value them. And I know that we all have overbooked agendas and it can be very difficult to find the time that works for everyone, but scheduling the weekly team meeting on a Monday morning when one person in the team doesn't work on a Monday is going to leave that person feeling excluded. So is it possible to alternate dates and times and, and standards of meetings so that the same person or people don't always feel excluded? So that's when. Now let's think about where the meeting will be held. And so here we're talking about the option of in-person, online, or a combination of both. Now, chairing an online or in-person or hybrid meeting requires different skills. So it's important to know what you're going into. So have people respond to a meeting and commit to either being live or online as far in advance as possible. Of course, people can be ill or may need to isolate and have to switch. But it helps a lot if everybody knows what type of meeting they're, they're going into. Finally, it's important to plan how long your meeting will last. Now, I don't have the answer because it depends on the nature and purpose of the meeting. For example, a stand-up information sharing meeting may be very short and sweet. But if you're looking for alignment or agreement on topics, then this may take between, I don't know, 30 to 60 minutes. But just remember that with the best intention in the world, participants' attention is 10 to 15 minutes at a time. Over 50% of us are daydreaming in meetings, and generally it's because there isn't enough breaks in the, in the meeting. It goes on too long. So even within an hour meeting, plan the agenda items in short, sharp bursts, 10 to 15 minutes. So you can create breaks in the meetings, and that doesn't mean that coffee breaks and time out of the meeting, but different activities, different agenda meetings, so you're keeping everybody engaged for as long as possible. Step four, start with inclusive introductions. Now, how many meetings have you been involved in which start with? Let's do a quick round of introductions. Simply state your name and a brief overview of your role, especially if it's kind of a new, new meeting with new participants. All you need to do is simply add a request to include pronouns in this introduction phase. This is such an effective way to create a, self, a safe and welcoming space for everyone. So you could try this. Hi everyone and welcome. To start off today's meeting, let's first go around the room and introduce ourselves. Please include your name, pronouns and a brief overview of your role. In place of an individual's names, we use pronouns like she, he, they a lot in everyday conversation. So especially if it's a group of new people and we may not be familiar with the names, we will default to using pronouns. Now, making a wrong assumption about someone's gender identity or expression is insulting and it can be harmful. And if done repeatedly, it can contribute to workplace biases and harassment. Now, when I first started sharing my pronouns, I'm going to be honest, it felt a little awkward. It's not something I grew up doing. And I had to remind myself to do it until it became a habit. But now it is a habit and it feels natural. There are times when nobody seems to notice that I've shared my pronouns and there are times when people ask me why I'm sharing my pronouns and it gives me a chance to open up that conversation. And then there are times when people have thanked me. And honestly, if I can make one person feel included simply by sharing my pronouns, then I'm going to do it every time. That's an easy win for me. Okay, finally for this week, whew, step five, roles and responsibilities. 
This is such an important step, which is overlooked in, in, in my experience. I would say this step is overlooked nine times out of ten. And this is where gender bias comes into play a lot. Let me ask you this. How many times has a female colleague, you may be the female colleague yourself, or you know of a female colleague, how many times has that person been asked to take the minutes or asked to get the drinks? And I know it feels like something from the 1950s, but it is still happening today. So again, let's be mindful, let's be proactive, let's put a stop to this. And there are many ways to divide and delegate the roles and responsibilities of running a successful meeting. Ultimately, you need someone to chair or lead the meeting. This person is responsible for inviting participants, creating the agenda, sending out the invite, and working through the meeting agenda points during the meeting. So this person is in the driving seat of the meeting and they have the most power. It may make sense for this role to remain with the same person over time, or this role could be shared, which ultimately redistributes the power over time. So you to, uh, this week's uh, meeting is going to be chaired by uh, Donna, next week's meeting is going to be chaired by Mohammed, and then the following week Sarah will uh, take over as meeting chair. It gives everybody a chance to take responsibility for the things that I just said that the chair needs to do and, and to have that power distributed amongst a group. Now, whilst the chair is responsible for making sure everyone has a chance to participate in the meeting, you also need someone to keep an eye on the tone of the meeting. This is the person that speaks up when things get off track. So, for example, they might politely interrupt to make sure that everyone um, has a chance to take a turn. Or they may interject when they see a group is avoiding a conversation that they need to have. Or they might remind um, Daniel that he just interrupted um, Panita when she was talking. So it's, it's just that mindful, that person that is attentive to the tone of the meeting. By giving one person explicit permission to notice sensitive interpersonal dynamics makes it accessible and safe to bring those topics into conversation. So if I'm working on the tone in that meeting, I have the authority and the responsibility to say, um, Sarah, um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't think David had finished explaining what he wanted to say then. And remember, we're trying to create an inclusive meeting culture here, so I just wanted to bring that out because I noticed it. Sarah can't attack me because we agreed that there would be somebody watching the tone of the meeting. So it gives that sort of space and dynamic. It's incredibly important to alternate the roles in each meeting because all too often this sort of tone policing is left to a person from the majority group and that's not okay. It is not my job, if I'm the only woman in the room, to let you know your banter is sexist and inappropriate. I can be the tone police the first time, I will point this out, then I'm handing that role and responsibility over to one of the gentlemen in the room, because otherwise it just becomes an excuse, I'm, it's not my job, and if I am tuned in to being the tone police for one particular meeting, my energy is directed there, which is an important role, but if I do that all the time, it's harder for me to contribute, and everybody is responsible for creating a safe and inclusive environment. So everybody needs to have a go at doing this. 
sharing this role is a great opportunity for us to learn. Um, it's a great opportunity for us to tune into microaggressions and to start becoming conscious of our biases. So it's an incredible learning opportunity. Really important to share that role each week, each time you have a meeting. Now, you may need to preempt this with a session on, on things like unconscious bias. Um, and in the toolkit, I have a 20-minute video that covers how to deal with disruptive behaviours in meetings. So everybody involved can feel confident in how to respond, what to look for, and how to respond appropriately to any kind of disruptive behaviour. Have a look at that um, when you finish the podcast. As I said, there's a link in the, in the show notes. But for now, the main point is that one person cannot keep an eye on time, run the meeting agenda, facilitate contributions, keep an eye on exclusionary bad habits, do everything all of the time. So we need to share this load. Finally, the role of recording decisions taking the meetings is another key area of responsibility. And it's not easy to take minutes and actively contribute at the same time. And I have lost count of how many times this role is automatically given to the same person every time and how many times this person is a woman. Train all team members in the art of taking minutes and rotate this role. It's not fair to just say, oh, I'm no good at taking meeting minutes, um, so I'm not going to do it. Well, then learn, <laughs> basically. Remember, we're creating inclusive meeting cultures, so let's include everyone in the roles and responsibilities. Wow, so many actionable steps, and this is just half of it. So let me just do a quick recap of what we've covered so far. The first five steps you can take today to stop the meeting madness and start creating efficient, effective and inclusive meetings are number one, be mindful of who you invite to the meeting. Being inclusive doesn't mean inviting everyone, it means including the people you want to hear from. Number two, a detailed agenda can reduce the amount of meeting time by up to 80%. Don't skip that part. And if you're not sure where to start, there are agenda templates waiting for you in the toolkit. Number three, be mindful of the logistics of your meeting, when, where, how long, <laughs> when, where and how long your meeting will last. Time is our most precious non-renewable resource, so let's respect it. Number four, start with inclusive introductions. Be intentionally inclusive and share your pronouns. And finally, number five, be inclusive with regards to roles and responsibilities. Share the power and help everyone be accountable. Like I said, we've covered a lot today and there's more to come next week. Everything I have covered today and more is included inside the Inclusive Meeting Toolkit. So click on the link in the show notes to find out more. And I'll be back next week to walk you through the final steps. Just before you go, I know for sure that you will have at least one meeting between now and the next podcast. So let me ask you this. Are you ready to stop the meeting madness? Are you ready to start creating efficient, effective and inclusive meetings today because you have everything you need right now to make a start and I promise whichever step you take will be a positive step towards impact. Please drop me a DM on Instagram or LinkedIn and let me know how your next meeting goes and if we're not already um, connected and you're not already following me on these platforms again I'll provide a link in the show notes and let's catch up, let's connect. Whew. That's a lot, my friend. Let's do it. Let's start creating inclusive meetings. Um, good luck and I'll end.